Asia Tech Podcast. Voice of the Asian Tech Ecosystem. Welcome Casey, welcome everybody on the show In the Making with Asia Tech Podcast Nisho series. We have Casey from The Rise. Casey, I'm very, very impressed, very impressed with the amazing hats you wear. Thank you. I'm not wearing one right now, but <laughs> I could. Right. So on your LinkedIn, I happen to see uh, you are VP Licensing and Brands at BLMP. You are head of Asia Rise. You are EIR Venture Partner. You are co-founder of Startups Hong Kong. Oh, my, oh God. my God. That's a lot of hats. Yes. But today, in the making, today, we want to focus on your role in the Rise. It's just Rise, not the Rise. So... Rise, Casey, yes. you are the man right. behind the growth of Rise in Asia. I it am. is the hottest tech conference gathering in Asia. Tell us more about it, Casey. What do you do actually? <laughs> what's, what's your typical know, day actually. like? What's your typical day like? It's very, very fragmented. Um, so Rise is, yes, it's a very exciting tech conference in Hong Kong this July 9th to 12th. It was founded by Patty Cosgrave, mm -hmm. the founder of Web Summit. And he had tremendous success with the Web Summit conference in Ireland mm -hmm. that he started to branch out and he created one in the US called Collision. Right. And then he created one in Hong Kong for Asia called Rise. Right. And this is the fourth year we're doing it. Wow. And uh, how I got involved, basically he came to Asia to do a tour promoting the conference. And I met him in Hong Kong and he, and he asked me, would you like to be the co-host? And mm -hmm. I went, absolutely. I guess we hit it off and uh, we both have this, um, I guess, passion to help startups. Right. And I think the platform that he's built with his team is incredible. Mm -hmm. And I'm very happy to be part of it. So we've grown like double every year since we started. And uh, this year looks to be the biggest one yet. So I'm very excited. It's and uh, mm -hmm. um, we're here in Shanghai because I'm doing a... Uh, eight city tour called the runway to rise and i'm holding eight pitch competitions right. in each of these cities to find hot new unfunded startups to come and participate at rise this year that's that's very interesting so yes. instead of expecting people to come to your conference you're actually going out and <laughs> going scouting to them. scouting going yes. to them yes i think uh, well you know there's a lot of things going on in asia and startups are busy and each ecosystem have its has its own nuances so i think that um, you know people just showing up and talking about what's going on is very important and we have some great partners in china we're working with naked hub as you know it's one of the biggest co-work spaces in china and it's just been acquired by we work so uh, very excited to be partners with them. They have beautiful spaces that we're doing the pitches. So I was just in Beijing a couple of days ago and we did a pitch there. Very good. And then tomorrow night, um, I'm not sure when this is going to be uh, live, but uh, tomorrow night I'll be yeah, doing it. I'm planning to join tomorrow night and hear the pitches from the lovely startups. Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show. So pitch me why should I join Rise 2018? You personally? How no, me or the listeners, you okay. know, how is it different from last year and what's the attraction to join, the key takeaway to join 2018 RISE? Well, I think that one of the best things about RISE is that uh, we have an amazing speaker team that brings amazing speakers from around the world to Hong Kong. So we have speakers like the founder of Tinder. We've got the founder of Didi coming, right? So we're trying to mix a lot of the 
European, American, and Asian leaders together on stage where you might not see them so easy to intermingle with each other. And then the other benefit, I guess, of the conference is that uh, it doesn't end at 5 o'clock p.m. It then takes a breather and then continues on through the night, as we call uh, the night summit, Mm -hmm. where we have a bunch of different fringe events. We have special uh, meetups, networking events, all these different things going on in the evening so that you can continue... Uh, you know, sharing what you learn during the day, meet new friends, meet investors, meet media, meet all kinds of people who are interested in tech. So in a way, it, it turns the entire city into a startup hub That's for three days. Yeah, so it's very exciting. It's actually disrupting the entire conference industry, isn't it? I think so, yes. I think that uh, Patty has definitely disrupted conference very much so. Um, I don't know how many conferences you go to, but I do go to a lot of a conferences. Lot, a lot myself. And uh, I think people are always looking for new formats for making uh, engaging content. It's no longer you can just throw somebody on stage and expect people to listen to them. You have to have uh, a whole experience. It's like going to Disneyland. I think that's what uh, Patty's created with his conferences. It's like, uh, it's like a Disneyland. You go in, you see the big attractions, but you also try out the crazy hot dogs, the, <laughs> the Mickey Mouse shaped waffles. Um, you know, you take a roller coaster ride. Sometimes you don't know where you end up, but that's, the, you don't know who you meet. You don't know who you're going to take a picture with. It's very exciting. It's very spontaneous. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the words they use, um, or the phrases they use, which I love, but I don't see them very often, they call it engineering synchronicity. Wow. Okay. So I think that is exactly what they're using data science to do, using technology actually to run a technology conference. I think they're the first. So, What's your vision? I mean, Casey, of course, you've partnered with them and you're driving, you are the you know person driving this whole Asia uh, rise growth. But what is your vision? Where do you see this whole industry of conferences and technology and learning going? What's your vision with rise and overall with this uh, format? Well, I'm, I'm a big uh, believer in community and ecosystems. So a little bit of my background is that I started a community in Hong Kong mm-hmm. about eight or nine years ago now with a bunch of other startups. And basically, back then, uh, people who were trying to be startups and doing, you know, startup-y stuff had, didn't have a place for them to meet each other. And so basically, we used back then the social medias like Facebook and Twitter, which are still popular today, to organize mm-hmm. basically a group. And we grew from like six guys who used to meet up uh, every Monday right. around coffees mm-hmm. into like uh, 15,000 people in the network. So it's pretty exciting. And from there, I just, uh, I worked for another company and ran a virtual accelerator business for them, which allowed me to travel around Asia. And I've been to Tokyo, Shanghai, Seoul, I've been to all these places and I see the communities growing. And I always think, how come in this day and age, we cannot be more connected? You know, I, I, mean, I know language is an issue, uh, but, and culture is an issue, but, you know, we're so close to each other. There's a lot of synergy, like in the US, right? right? The US is like, it's all speaking English, it's all American, and they're easy to get along with each other no matter right. what part of the states you're from. Well, you know, basically, basically. Um, so in Asia, I feel like there's a much more need to, to kind of pull it together. So I think a conference is the best place to do it because um, you see each other face-to-face. You're going to be there. The content's in English, so there's going to be a deciding barrier on the, Eng- on the language, right? Um, and then, of course, the city they've chosen is Hong Kong. I believe it to be a very neutral city, but also a very fun city. So there's a lot of things going on. You can't get lost that easily. We have great transportation, right. great restaurants, great, and the prices are not too out of control. <clears throat> so it's a perfect place to kind of have a melting pot for this. So that's how I see it. I just hope that more conferences, either in tech or in other industries, start to follow this kind of um, 
style of how we do it. But I guess it's not just about conferences. The the learning is applicable to meetups, right? To to any format of learning and meetups as well. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. I think that as long as these meetups and things exist in every city, I think it's uh, it's always good. And uh, I think that people need to learn how to scale them. Mm-hmm. I think that's a more important thing. So just because you have an ad tech group in, I don't know, Shenzhen, um, and you talk to your and you meet the same people all the time, um, I think it's very important that you bring other people into the right. loop and you connect with other groups do same same similar. I mean, the way we started Startups HK was really funny because. We would, we would love Twitter. Like, I don't know how many people use Twitter still today, but back a few years ago, Twitter was awesome because people would just tell people where they were. Right. And we would always be following all the big tech people from Silicon Valley. So if any one of them showed up in Hong Kong on a stopover or whatever, we'd reach out to them and say, hey, come out to a bar and, and talk to us. That's very interesting. And they would. Yeah. And it was fantastic. And so, and because of that, that person then went back and said, hey, I met these guys in Hong Kong. If you go back, they're cool. You should go talk to them as well. Right. So we grew a network like that. And, you know, everybody's busy. Cities are getting more and more. You're, you're trying to be the startup hub, right? Every city's fighting to be the Silicon Valley or whatever. I feel like that's, you know, the worst thing that can happen, right? I feel like that's what I love about Rise. It's not a Hong Kong show. It's a show. It's a global show that takes place in Hong Kong. And I think more, more places have to do that, right? Okay. I see Singapore has their own shows and Korea and Japan have their own shows and China has their own shows that don't really open up to other markets. And yeah. I feel like that's to be a major problem. But it's quite an Asian focus, so that's that's the good part. Going to the next one, I mean, you have mentioned the word startup a couple of times in the last five minutes, and I think um, I want to get your view: starting up versus startup. This is not only applicable for startups, right? I mean, you could be starting up in a big corporate or an existing tech company. So, isn't this meaningful? What's your opinion on starting up versus startup? Um, yeah, no, there's no, no difference. No it's difference. The same thing. Great. I guess starting up in a company has maybe. Uh, yeah, it has new new meaning nowadays, I think. I think uh, I've seen some um, entrepreneurs uh, happening out of corporates and I'm very impressed what I see. So I think the big companies are starting to wake up and find that uh, these young tech startups are disrupting their industries and that they really cannot live without this. So I think they have to get involved and so they are. So it's a people starting up within a company or starting up their own company. Exactly. I think that, well, I'm a big believer in the future of work and how things are going to change in the next 10 years and that people are not going to have jobs anymore. Like they won't have a normal boss, right? They're going to work for themselves and they're going to supply their expertise Skills. and skill set. Um, you know, like just today you see Uber drivers, right? That's what's going to happen with everybody. The Uber driver's skill set is they can drive a car, right? right? They have a car, they can drive it, they can pick you up, they make money that way. It'll be, it'll be things for designers, for uh, programmers, even for marketing, advertising, like anything. You know, yeah, like, it's like an open source uh, talent network. I think so. I think that'll be the best way for people to work um, and be able to do stuff. Because when you hit a certain age and you're no, you haven't upgraded your skills because you're kind of complacent in your company, I think that will be um, the problem of the human race, right? So I think that by doing it like this, people stay competitive, stay agile. And that's, I think, the most important thing. So it's, whether it's a person or a company, they need to consider to think this this way. Absolutely. And I think uh, going back to the topic of this podcast, uh, the conference, uh, conference is also a great way to keep upskilling and stay yes. competitive, yes. right? So let's talk about the three areas uh, which we'll 
would love to cover in this conversation. Um, the first one being how to put together conferences. You have done so many of them over the years and obviously what a best practice now from hits and misses. Um, what, would, was, what will be your advice to the listeners on putting together conferences or learning meetups? I think you should go to a, many conferences and just absorb what's going on there and talk to people and see what they think. Like I said before, it's not about throwing people on the stage and having people listen to them, right? It's a whole experience that you have to think about. And you have to kind of, I, I mean, Patty always tells me he, he's, he doesn't really care what the speakers think. He doesn't care. He cares what the people think, the attendees who buy the tickets, who come. Right. What do they think? And how can we make it better for them? Right. So one year they, the food's terrible. That was a major concern. Right. Next year, there's a whole overhaul on the food. So that is no longer an issue. Wi-Fi is terrible. Then next year, a giant overhaul on the Wi-Fi. So there's definitely listening and trying to fix all those things up. So I think that anybody would do that, right? Just keep reiterating the product. And so I think that um, Patty thinks that the conference is a product. So 2016 was a product and 2017 is a new product. Right. Even though it looks very similar, it's been reiterated. We learned all the mistakes. We learned from our mistakes. We've made them better. Adjustments learned from Web Summit and Collision and integrated those learning processes into a better product for Rise every year. Think about it. I'm talking about a conference like a product and that's what it is. It's quite amazing. That's very interesting. Yeah. Can you describe, like give an example of what's a sneak preview of what's coming up in the new version of the product for 2018 of how what people can learn from putting together the conference. You are in the making of Rise right now for 2018. Yeah. What's going on behind the scenes right now? I think one of the things, uh, well, it's one of the staples of the, the, the Web Summit shows, I think is the uh, networking, the night summits. Um, I see like a lot of people who run conferences don't seem to think about anything after 5 p.m. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's when actually the conference starts. You've learned a lot and now you kind of want to share it with other people. Like what did you see on the stage right. today? Yeah. Or who did you meet interesting over lunch today? Mm -hmm. I think people want to continue sharing that, uh, what they've learned and what they've, who they've met um, or catch up with people. And I think that's something that I, I miss out on a lot of conferences because, I mean, it's a lot of work to put a conference together and, and you know, make no mistake, like most of the conferences I go to in, in, in Asia, they're not run by conference companies like Web Summit and Rise right. are. They're run by blogs or the government or people who have no real um, experience in running a conference. So they don't understand all these things. They think that getting an Elon Musk to show up is like, that's it. Once we do that, we're done which is obviously not the point, right? It's all about the experience for the attendees. So that's one of the little um, things that I've learned is that um, I think it's also creating an easy way for people to meet. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the way they design the show floor is also very interesting. Um, they they move the, the booth space to be very narrow. Uh-huh. And you always wonder why, why there's so much space. Why don't you make it wider? Exactly. It's because they want people to collide as they walk through the booth. Uh -huh. And uh, the lanyards... Uh, you know, the lanyard yes. for the badge is usually, I believe there's one place in China that makes them for the world. And they always make them for seven foot tall Americans, right? So that the badge hangs nicely around your chest. But for the rest of us, um, it may hang a little lower. And in some place you not really want to put your eyes towards, mm -hmm. right? So Patty's already, and Patty's a tall, tall guy. Right. And he already designed it so that the lanyards are very short. And so they kind of sit just below... Um, your neck. You know, your neck, right? Mm -hmm. So that um, I can talk to you and I can just glance down very quickly and see your name, even if I forgot it. See, the little details matter, you know? Yeah, and there's a lot of little details that this guy has been thinking about. He's the Steve Jobs of conferences. This guy is like, Steve Jobs would think about the craziest things about his computers. And that's what Patty does. He thinks about the lanyard, where the chairs are. 
Yeah, you told Where's me. Where's the inter- lamp? When I met you on Saturday, Casey, you told me a very interesting example of where, uh, when you guys saw a lot of people are sitting and just listening to the talks. The next day, you got the chairs removed. Yeah, no, they weren't listening to the talks. They were there was an, an area where people were um, like being being uh, what do you call bean bag chairs mm-hmm. and couple of stools, and people were sitting there like on their computers. And uh, yeah, that place was not was not there the next day because we don't want people to sit down. If you sit down and you do your work or you're on Facebook and you're not engaged, that is a super loss for the conference, right? And I've been to millions of conferences where you go to the main stage and everyone's on their phone. Exactly. No one's actually paying attention. Whereas at Rise, I believe they found a way to keep it engaged and meet your network. Because if you meet even one person that you think is super cool, that you love meeting, you will come back again next year. But I've been to many conferences where you just meet the same people over and over again. Like they don't try to get me to meet new people. And I felt that to be a very missed opportunity, right? Because that's where I'm going. And you're just looking at the stage. Anyway, moving on. uh, The second point being how to pitch to sign up as a speaker or speak more effectively. A lot of people want to speak no matter at RISE or any conference. So what would your, I mean, you have had so many learnings. What would you advise to people who want to pitch to be a speaker? I think um, pitching a very irrelevant topic is very important. I think that people go to conferences because they want to learn. So coming to Rise this year, you'll learn a lot about blockchain, AI, payments, anything that's in the buzzwords right now, people want to know about. That's why people buy tickets to come to conferences. So if you're doing something that may be not as uh, relevant to today, it may be more difficult, but you, that doesn't mean you can't speak. It means you just have to change up what you want to talk about so that whatever you're talking about, if you're talking about HR policies, how can you, um, you know, add in a big data blockchain. player or a blockchain mm. or something to it that makes it more interesting. That is one of the things that people don't see. And then also, I also think that people don't look at the speaker list when they apply to be a speaker. So they need to see, you know, because they can tell That's what way point. we're going, what what kind of focus we're going for. Because people ask me, what's the focus this year for Rise? I'm like, there's no focus. It's innovation. It is whatever is taking control of our lives in technology. That's the focus, and that's everything, right? There's Absolutely. driverless cars, drones are still in the in the news. We're talking about this stuff, so there's no focus. So how do you fit into that? And I think that's what you have to kind of maneuver yourself when you when you apply to speak at a, at a, any kind of conference, right? And any learning, because, you know, all of us, including myself, have has spoken, we have learned, you have heard a lot of speakers. What makes for an interesting speaker? What is the, What are the tips we would like to avoid, the pitfalls we like to avoid when we are preparing our talks? Number one is sales pitch. Mm-hmm. Some people still try to sneak in a sales pitch onto the on center stage at Rise, which I'm surprised at. They, they should know better and uh, nobody wants to hear that and you look like um, an idiot, right? So I think that uh, basically figuring out, um, you know, what... It, what your, who your audience is. So I remember Gary Vaynerchuk came in mm-hmm. last year and he was coming onto the stage, he came in the speaker's lounge and the first thing he asked me was, what, who is my audience? Mm-hmm. Who is the audience here? What, who am I going to talk to? So he has like, obviously like maybe five variations of, the, of his usual talk and he tailors it depending on, is he talking to students? Is he talking to corporates? Is he talking to startups? startups. Yeah, who is he talking to? So he, so we give him the, the lowdown on that and he's able to like take some time and think about how he's going to make that talk appeal to who he's talking to. That's also very important. Nobody, so he, again, like Patty, are thinking about the audience more than himself. He wants to make sure that you leave with some value add listening to his talk, not how great am I, how great my company is, how smart we are. It's more like how what I've learned I can give to you and when you leave. So a lot of people have never heard of Gary Vaynerchuk before. And uh, 
uh, when, from last year at Rise. And uh, I think I, everybody was like just talking about him nonstop um, afterwards. And I think because they've never heard anybody talk in that way to them before, if you've ever heard Gary talk. Um, but it's also the value that they gave him in the education level or, you know, just an insight into how he thinks that no one's ever said before, but he's, he can put into words. So I think that part is very important. Going back to the third point about networking, you know, obviously a lot of people go to conferences or events meetup to network. And I think you made a very interesting point when we met about how one should learn how to network more effectively, you know, just going to exchange business cards. So what are your thoughts about networking at conferences? Well, you know, I guess that's hard to, to train someone to do. I think that they're naturally somebody who wants to naturally and honestly and genuinely want to meet people other than collecting name cards to show their boss that they were working at a conference. So I think that, I mean, the number one thing obviously is just asking more about the other person than you're telling them what you do, right? That's pretty much, I think that's 101 networking or, you know, how to get people to, to like me kind of thing <laughs> when you go to a party, yeah. right? I think that's the most important part. And uh, one of the good things about Rise, which I also find that no other conference does, is that I don't randomly go into a bar or an after party with people who have nothing to do with what I'm doing. Right. We are able to use data science to make sure that the right people, the people in the same kind of uh, vertical are together. Right. So that the, if you just randomly walk into a, a night summit event, there's actually people who are in fintech in the room. And there's not like all of a sudden a fashion tech person walks in, right? It's all about the same kind of people. So you can already, you already you know, jump over a lot of these issues of like, Oh, what do you do? Oh, that's interesting. Like, why am I talking to this person? Why is this person here? Right? You get all these kind of questions in there. But if they're all in the same kind of environment you are, uh, I find that to be a better and easier way to do networking. Um, so that's that's it. That's something a lot of people I haven't seen able to um, replicate outside of the. I think you made a very 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 valid point that it's not about you and just what your day job is. Uh, why are you here, for example? What is that you want to learn, and what's uh, you know what exactly you do? So it's more of taking interest in the other person and figuring it out. Very interesting. We've spoken about a lot of uh, learnings, uh, what's going well with Rise and with your experiences in building conferences. I'm sure in that whole journey, you would have had some pitfalls or failures or low moments. Any example comes to your mind where things just didn't go right and how did you handle it? Any learnings in terms of failures in the last two years? Um, hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I'm sure there's lots of failures that I, they don't uh, tell me about. Um, things that don't work in the background. Any, any example? But, okay, well, I guess I wrote a blog post about this and it's not really a failure, but it is, it is something, to, a lesson to be learned and a, and a thing to think about and how, uh, you, not only for conferences, but even for your own startup or your own business, you should think about. So at, after every day, we have a team meeting. Mm -hmm. So the entire heads of all the different teams that's like 20 people. So there's 20 people, there's 20 teams operating independently of each other that come together at the end of each day of, at Rise and we talk about any problems and challenges and how we fixed it. And so things are fixed or decided upon immediately that, mm -hmm. and this is like 10 minutes after the show closes. So that's how fast it's done. And one of the things I, um, that Patty got involved, uh, upset about was that in the speaker's lounge, so we have a special area for the speakers, there was a lamp in the back that wasn't on. Oh. It was just there. And he asked, why is this lamp not on? Right. And nobody can answer the question. Right. So the, the, the thing, the question is, if it's not on, why is it there? Right. 
It's not adding value. It looks like somebody forgot to, and it's a small detail that people will see. Do you know what, you know what I mean? So this is, this is the, to me, this is like the biggest, uh, the mistakes are the internal mistakes, right? The things that we forget about because everybody, of course, everybody's doing, I mean, you, you can't blame whoever did that because right. there's so many things going on, right? But it is, he wants everybody to keep recognizing this, that there is a reason for everything in the space. It's not just there to fill up a space. Even the garbage cans in each lounge, they must be in the same space. They must be easily accessible and they must be emptied out at a certain time. This is just like, you know, normal as a host, hotel, yeah, host, even hotel, hotel but hotel I, I think as a host, as a host thing, like even if you go to anywhere, you expect this. I mean, these, everybody who pays the money for the tickets, uh, you know, they're like a guest, right? So we want to make sure that the experience is as good for them as possible. That's a fantastic so that analogy. Is, yeah, that's a big, that's a big thing. I wrote a post about it. I'll give you the link to it. You can put it in your sure. show notes, but because I, I find it to be one of the secret sauces of the conference is that they, they, they think about these things in such a minute detail for the benefit of the attendees and the speakers. Can you just share a little bit more, like, how do you think the people who join Rise feel like a guest? They feel happy. <laughs> I think it's a good analogy, the guest and the host. Yeah, that's why, yeah, that's why Patty asked me to be the co-host, not the uh, partner on stage or the, I mean, the head of Asia, that's kind of the title I gave myself. <laughs> that's not really a formal title, but really, I'm just the co-host of Rise. And uh, I feel like uh, that's that very describes what I do and how we treat the people that come to the show. Right. Any complaints? Do you ever got any example of a complaint and how you dealt, your team dealt with a complaint? Oh yeah, there's tons of complaints. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I remember, I still remember um, getting attacked on the first day and the first talk last year by somebody who said the stage wasn't big enough or the, the room wasn't big enough for the stage. Everybody wanted to come into the first talk and there just wasn't enough room. So we seriously um, underestimated the excitement for the first talk. Because mm -hmm. most of the other shows, people are not really that fascinated by the content. But because I guess, I believe the first speaker was John Collison, the founder of Stripe. So he's like, I don't know, 28 years old. He's worth $5 billion, right? So he's the dream, living the dream. He is the dream of the startup world, right? So I guess a lot of people wanted to hear him. And, uh, you know, we do have an app and we let people to, you know, add and favorite the talks right. that they're interested in to mm -hmm. keep into a schedule. And also that data goes back to us. So we know how many people are interested in a specific talk. Talks, so we know how to make the stage, um, the seating larger or smaller. So that was one of the big problems. So we had to, you know, change the stage shape and size um, at lunch when it was empty out at that time to make sure we had enough room for the That's rest of the day. true agility, you know, responding immediately yeah. within a half a day thing. Yeah, and we knew Gary Ch Vaynerchuk would be a huge t uh, talk, even though a lot of people I've talked to didn't know who he was uh, in Asia. And so we had to uh, close down one of the other stages, which we planned for, and simulcast on, on the video screen so people could sit and watch the screen that was, this talk that was just happening like right next to it because there wasn't enough seats in the main stage and we couldn't break it that big and retract it fast enough for the next talk. So, And that's uh, good that you guys have also incorporated, obviously, machine learning or uh, AI and data into your programming. Yes, it's very important. Yeah, I mean, how, do you, how are you going to know what's, what resonates with the audience, right? I mean, we're bringing in Silicon Valley uh, speakers, we're bringing in Chinese speakers. Who's more popular? I mean, we look at them, we see their, um, you know, the news about them. Are they really relevant? Yes. Or maybe not, we don't know, right? So we can only find out from people utilizing apps the app itself to, um, to, or even social media. I can't wait to see Gary Vaynerchuk 
hashtag RiseConf, right? And then from that, our team can find that out and right. see, oh, there's a lot of t- chit chat about this talk that we didn't even know was going to be popular. We better prepare for it, right? So there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that- What was the hottest topic last year from your data? Any idea? Uh, I can only, I, the only data that I actually personally saw was all the uh, retweets and tweets from uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's talk. So definitely oh. that was the big one. Right. I think I think the pe- his fans were there, so they were supporting him. Mm-hmm. And then the other like eighty um, percent never heard of him before were just so amazed by him. They they were retweeting and talking and and doing a lot of uh, banter about it. So right. that's great. It's really interesting that um, you know somebody like him who has a huge audience mm-hmm. in the West mm-hmm. can come to Asia and still resonate with people. Right? I think that's amazing. So. He's very interesting. And I mean, John Collison, you know, Stripe is what they're, what they're doing is fantastic as well. So I think that was a very popular talk, which I was surprised at too, because I'm like, it's not really like everybody's not talking about it really. Um, but what he's done and how he's growing is, is very, very relevant. Right. Let's go back to the future of work you mentioned briefly yes. in the beginning. Yeah, I think that's very important. How do you see the role of the network, the community outside of your own startup, own company, own organization you're working on? to the future of work, how you would work differently tomorrow and what are the ways to keep upskilling yourself? I think that personally, um, I think that your own personal network is your most powerful resource um, going forward. Um, I mean, I can't believe my network, how big it's become and how strong it's become and how many opportunities it's given to me. As, and it, I'm just so grateful for that. Like so many people want to be part of my network and that my network is valuable to other people and then I can connect people. Um, I mean, you don't have to be a full-time connector like me to, to do it, but you know, helping other people, I think it's very, very important. And by having a network of people that can, you can connect to, that's the, all we have left actually, after all the robots take over and things like <laughs> that, right? There's not much left besides our human interaction with each other, engagement. So um, meeting people that, you know, you can, Pull into your network and, pay, and pay be that forward. person. Pay it forward is paying, key. Yeah, paying forward is one of the things, yeah. Uh, just being friendly to people and being good to each other, I think is pretty important too. Um, and uh, I feel like helping people with expecting nothing in return is also very important. Um, I feel like uh, just helping people, it's, not, it's, it's kind of weird, right? Because I feel like, I guess my parents brought me up that way, that helping people was a normal thing to do. But, you know, some people I don't, I don't feel had the same parenting, <laughs> right? And uh, they just kind of take advantage of them. They just take and they don't give back, which is kind of weird. Um, so it's always good to find people who are very um, helpful in communities and giving out, giving out their time and things like that. So no matter where you are, I think you always have something to learn. I think that there's nothing you can say that you know so well that you, can, you don't need to learn again. And I think the only way you can learn from that is by... Um, working in communities and building your network. I mean, I mentor a lot for different startup accelerators. I got to say, I learn a lot every time I talk to teams. Yes. I, I, I re-say things that I believe in that I haven't actually been practicing myself in a while. And I find that to be very interesting. And also I hear their side of the stories for things that I'm not 100% sure about um, myself. Like, you know, I see a lot of these startups attacking new problems and new, new kind of... Um, Markets I'm, I didn't know existed. <laughs> and I'm not like that old. So I was surprised that these things are around. And so I, I learned a lot about these new ecosystems. So I think that network is the biggest thing. And I think that, you know, working with accelerators, 
the biggest asset of an accelerator for startup is the network that network, that accelerator brings in the mentor network. I must right? admit, I also think I learned the most by mentoring because it's the value exchange. Yeah. You give value, but you actually learn so much in yeah. return. Yeah. So networking, uh, obviously, uh, your personal network, uh, mentoring is a great way to learn as well. And do you believe that more and more people are uh, creating this whole open network of? Um, offering their skills. So let's say you're working with X company, you no more have to be just working for X company, you could be actually adding value for XYZ, ABC as well. Is that the way the future of work is going to happen? What, what, do, you, you what do you mean by that? There's a lot of letters in there. XYZs. Cut. <laughs> <laughs> Cut that. No, why, that's bit. funny. Just can keep going. Okay, no. So what? I'll, I'll let, let me rephrase. So the future of work, right? Like right now, people, more and more people are attached to, let's say, one organization or one startup. Okay. But you could be actually having multiple careers or you, you could be lending your skills to multiple. It depends on what you do though, right? I think that you couldn't do that if you were maybe a developer. Mm -hmm. Maybe you'd want to focus on one company. I don't know if that's a... I don't know if that's 100% true. I think that, uh, I think when you get to a certain level though, I think that sharing that information is very important. Right. And also I, I think that another thing I, I want to say is that it's usually like mentors are like old people, right? And I think that's uh, something that should not be the only way. I think that young people have a lot to offer as Absolutely. well. And I'm thinking those people in their twenties. And I think that you know, they're trying to figure out what they're doing in their lives. And so they're looking for maybe business mentoring, but what they like, how they use social media. I find it, I love talking to, you know, teenagers even and finding out what, what they use and why do they use it? Why is Snapchat so popular with like teenagers? I don't get it. And they tell me and I'm like, wow, this is so interesting. So I think that the most important thing is that everybody has value and knows something that nobody else knows. And I think that that's uh, an important part of uh, extending your network. Actually, that. I have a... I have a mentor who is 10 years younger to me and I think I learn a lot from her and wow. I purposefully went out and said, hey, be my mentor. I think sometimes you have to ask for it. That's fantastic. I, I like to hear that. So yeah, exactly. Plus, yeah, asking for it is also another important part, getting involved. Right. So uh, obviously uh, you have tried to uh, bring a lot of uh, Asian startups on a global level. Uh, you have, uh, I've heard you've taken, you know, a lot of startups who participate in Rise have managed to go and pitch uh, in Silicon Valley and other, uh, other way around. Do you also see a lot of successful startups in Silicon Valley come and uh, you guys help them bring and get growth in Asia? Um, or is it always the other way around? No, definitely not the other way around. We don't take um, Asian startups to Silicon Valley. I think that we just expose them to investors internationally. Okay. So we do track the interactions that we are created at Rise between startups and investors. And uh, I don't know the actual number from 2017, but in 2016, we helped all the startups raise about 143 million US dollars from interactions and in introductions they made at Rise. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's a lot of money, but it's not from Silicon, necessarily from Silicon Valley. It's from everywhere. Chinese money, Southeast Asian money, sure, whatever. Sure. So the idea is that a lot of startups are working in co-work spaces or in their homes or in the coffee shops and they don't have chance to, you know, network. get out, network yeah. and get out there. So that's why conference is super important. I can see you on LinkedIn, but I don't know who you are, right? But if I meet you in a, con in a conference or see you pitch or see the kind of buzz you're getting at your booth, then I'm interested. You know what I mean? That's Absolutely. good to have that. So I think that that's um, the most important thing. Um, and so... So startups, yeah, but definitely startups from the US and Europe come to rise to show off what they're doing, to yeah, see if there's any market Visibility for them. is very key. Yeah. You know, you just, you might have a great product, but if you don't have visibility, people don't know who you are in your exactly. team. I, we have a lot of teams from Europe and US come out to rise just to see what the market looks like. So mm -hmm. they don't even exhibit. They just come to see what other, everybody else is doing. 
uh, or they do exhibit and they're trying to expand their market into this, into Asia. You know, there's bigger companies like Branch. They come out, they get a booth, they get a normal startup booth and they're out there promoting to developers in Asia, right? Um, that's like that. That's a hundred million dollar invested company. It's huge, but it still acts like a startup, and it still talks to startups because that's their core product, right? Then, of course, you have Facebook for developers. Mm-hmm. So they're not there. You don't have the ad sales side. You have the developer side to how to develop your new startups on top of Facebook, right? So they're there. So everybody who wants to talk to startups, or tech people, or founders, or entrepreneurs, or anybody in this world, comes to this conference to kind of you know see what's going on meet partners, meet people. Mm-hmm. You know, I found like a lot of corporates come to staff. They send their HR people there to hit the floor looking for people to hire. So <laughs> it's used for a lot of different things and uh, and it's great. I mean, it get, it, through that you get a lot of mixture of different kinds of people on there. I'm looking forward to joining. You also mentioned there is a huge focus on trying to attract women in tech. Yes, that's a major thing. So I'm very happy that Web Summit, the company itself, is a very large ratio that are female that mm-hmm. work for the company. Because it is a tech company, awesome. right? Tech company, conference company. Um, and so we have 4,000 tickets this year for Rise for Women in Tech. So they're basically free tickets with the service charge and attached to it. And just, just to make sure that uh, more women come down. Um, they're about more than half gone now. So it's the easiest way to get involved. Now, of course, people might say, why should women get free tickets? They should just buy their own tickets too, right? right? Absolutely. <laughs> but I feel like, I feel like uh, they... Uh, maybe they're more willing to come with their friends and check it out. Maybe from the op- their office, maybe the corporate office they come mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. I don't know, whatever, whatever the case may be, I, I want to help remove some of the friction of how women might join uh, the, a tech conference, right? Because, you know, the first year, a lot of people complain it's super techy, super nerdy, right. right? People are like, I don't understand what these people are talking about. I'm like, yeah, you're right. And I don't want to make it too much like that. I want it to be very inclusive. So this year, uh, Booking.com is our partner for women in tech. So we have a women in tech lounge. Awesome. Okay, what does that mean? It means basically that there'll be round tables inside where women's issues and technology can be discussed openly. There's also going to be food and drinks for women only. But of course, they can come out and do other things of other stuff that's going on. But I feel like sometimes uh, women, in, especially in this technology um, you know, world, space, space mm-hmm. um, I mean, at least we know we've heard a lot of problems in the US, yes. right? Definitely a lot. Maybe it's not so... Uh, well, it is. It's just as it bad is, here, actually. Is. What are you talking about? I've heard all these things in China that are out of control. Yes, yes. Um, but people are not as uh, women. Maybe the female are not as as um, uh, uh, openly vocal about it as they are in the U.S. Right? I don't know. I don't know if that's but true. But do, do you guys take measures for security? I'm sorry, this is a side topic. Oh yeah, definitely. You, oh, what for security for women? Yeah, I mean, yes, just definitely. in case somebody wants to raise an issue in conferences. Oh yes, definitely. Do you have a yes. mechanism for that? Yes, it's very, very high on the list of things we we're. We're uh, watching all the time. That's yeah. really that's yeah. that's good to know. So, uh, Casey, just to wind up the conversation, yes. uh, you would love to, I guess, we ask every guest who comes on the show if you would like to thank three people whom you credit your journey, your success, or rather the journey you're going on. Who would you like to thank? This is the best chance to thank on the show, and we would love to tag them later. Wow. Um, well, of course, Patty Cosgrave. Mm-hmm. Thank him for allowing me into his family for his conferences. I've learned so much and worked with so many great people in his company and himself, travel around China with a guy, it's fantastic. And I've learned so much from him. It's incredible how much I can learn from one person. So he is very influential um, to me. Um, Who else can I say? I mean, I guess all the people that I started Starbucks HK with, Mm -hmm. I would like to thank them. Like people like Gene Sue and, and John Buford, these guys that basically, you know, we just kind of, 
you know, donated a lot of time to grow this community in Hong Kong, no matter what happened, no matter how many people showed up, we still did it. And it was fun. We did it for free and it was just fantastic. So I guess, and those, those are the years, you know, you kind of grow up with those guys. You'll never forget them when we get older <laughs> of what we created together out of nothing right. with no money. Right. That's, I think that's even more exciting than saying like, starting like a Facebook where you get millions of dollars of investments. Everybody knows what it is, but you know, you, you had a lot of help to get there. This is just a bunch of guys that roll up their sleeves to do stuff. That's pretty exciting. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to say my family. <laughs> not, not that I don't want to say my family. It's like, you know, that's, a that's easy, for easy, everybody. That's easy. Everybody will say that. So I'll, I won't use that, but, no worries. um, uh, Never mind. yeah, I don't know who the third person would be, but, uh, uh, definitely lots of people. I mean, I feel bad now uh, to put on the spot like this because I'm thinking, yeah, probably for, you know, when you do those um, Academy Award speeches, you're like, I forgot to thank my wife and I forgot <laughs> to thank my kids and my family. But I can't, I can't right now, I can't think of anybody else, but I definitely think like everybody in Hong Kong, you know, I mean, I don't know if that's, that's not a person, that's like a group of people, but everybody in Hong Kong, the community there, phenomenal and really supported the RISE conference, really helped me to build it out. I and mean, your, and, this your is part, definitely, and your partners in different countries now, yeah, in China, yeah, in other exactly. and all the partners, Yeah, and all the partners. This is definitely not a one-man show. And even Patty will tell you it's not, it's not thanks to him. He's got like so many people helping him. But yeah, the people in Hong Kong are just super amazing, um, so supportive. And they're not, they're from everywhere too. They're, they're German, they're French, they're Canadians, they're Americans, they're Hong Kong, they're from everywhere um, that just like, are so excited to see this thing grow, this kind of community grow. And they're so happy to have a conference like Rise in there to kind of amplify the work they're doing all year round. Absolutely. And so that's why, um, I, you know, I can't, you know, this whole thing is un, it's not successful without these people. So those are the three, the three groups of people I want to, I, I want to say thanks to. Sure. What's a bad day look like for Casey? <laughs> a bad day. A bad day. I guess an unproductive day, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes I'm sure everybody gets this and uh, it's those times when there's just so much to do, you just don't know what to do. And sometimes you just feel like you have no energy. You're like, I don't know. Is it okay to have those kind of yeah, days? Yeah, sure. I, I, I've given myself those days now because I think, well, it's like uh, going to the gym, right? Sometimes you're like, oh, I don't want to go to the gym today. But uh, you don't, and you don't go and you feel really guilty about it. But then the next day you have an even better workout. I feel like that's the same way. So once I started to think in those terms, I think it's okay. So you definitely have those times when you just like, just take a, take a chill day, watch Netflix or do whatever you like to do. That's just normal. I think that's important. I think um, I'm getting into now, um, not really getting to meditation hundred percent, but definitely the meditation, the idea of just taking a break away from all these devices and all these communication tools. And just like, even for 30 minutes, just chilling out, that's really helpful. I'm really surprised because I read a lot about it. I'm like, eh, come on, startups don't have time to take 30 minutes off, right? <laughs> but actually you do. And it gives you more power for the rest of the day because you really, you're still human. You're not, you're not a bionic man or something like that, right? So um, that's definitely, definitely thinks people need to ha take that break. Um, especially get, as you get older. I mean, if you're 22 years old, you can still run like a, like a champion and you don't have to sleep or anything like that. But I still think that uh, I would you know, say actually it's relevant for everybody, even for kids in today's generation. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a brilliant thing. I just started uh, twenty minutes, thirty minutes breathing exercises yeah. every morning. I think it really has helped me be yeah. more productive and more peaceful. Another friend of mine just recently told me he's journaling, and uh, I was like, "Wow, what does that do?" So basically, he gets up in the morning and writes a bunch of stuff down, mm -hmm. and he like unload. Basically, he's unloading those thoughts in his mind onto a piece of paper. I was like so shocked. I was like. 
Oh, that's quite interesting though, because it's true. You, you're always thinking about stuff. And if you don't put it out there, then it's stuck inside and it starts to weigh you down. But he, his way is to get it out on a piece of paper, which I find very interesting because it's true. When I'm thinking about it, I doodle a lot into notebooks and stuff. And that's kind of like getting out some weird crap that's in my head. And then it kind of lets it out. And there's still tons of, tons of different things people are working on nowadays too. Um, get, because I think that this mobile phone is giving us a lot of problems. Yes. Actually, a lot of mental problems that even if we love it so much, which I do, you know, I'm always looking at it, the black mirror. And, uh, but I, I can see that it is harmful now. Um, and that even 30 minutes away, it's not a lot to, to give away from it. And that is a lot really helpful. So closing on, in the making with Casey, what's coming next for Casey? What's your new challenge if you're looking at what you're looking at? What's coming in the making in the next few months or years? Okay. Um, well, let's see. I am, I'm going to put it out there because, uh, yeah, I can listen to this back in a year and see if it actually came true or not. So I'm working on a new fund. I'm working on a, on a fund with some friends in Hong Kong, investing in uh, prop tech space. Mm -hmm. We're very interested in that space. I'm working on a new startup as well in the future of workspace. So I'm working on that. So these are the kind of things I'm going to start working on. Um, and that's after Rise will be kind of the focus uh, going forward until say Web Summit or... Any Summit. ask from the network, the community, um, anything you would like to ask to garner their support or anything from the listeners? I would like to have feedback on this podcast. Um, I do a lot of these and I'm not sure if these are even interesting from what I have to say. So if you found it interesting please uh, drop me a, a tweet. I don't know if people use Twitter who listen to your It's across podcast. Asia. Okay, great. So use that um, and tell me if you heard it or if there's anything in here that resonated with you or things you didn't agree with. I think I love feedback. Um, and uh, that's one thing I learned from Patty as well. He loves feedback. He loves negative feedback. No, we love feedback, guys. Feed we look forward to that. Negative feedback is the best because uh, you can actually uh, learn a lot from it. So I definitely love to get feedback on this podcast or... Um, even if they've been to Rise and had a bad experience, um, I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear from your listeners. Um, that's what I ask. Thank you so much, Casey. This has been wonderful. I've learned a lot in just two interactions this weekend with you. So <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you very much. In the making with Casey Nishos. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at atp.show.